Amen. Thanks, brother. Let's do it again. Let's do it for Jesus. Come on. Yeah, God, you're awesome. Waymaker. Fantastic. You ever have uh, you ever have these conversations with yourself? Do you ever talk to yourself? You ever have these like 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 you don't want to do that like out loud as you're walking around Kroger, you know, like talking. But you know, the conversation is in your head, just like it's called self-talk. It's the most powerful tool you have as a directive for your future and your decision making. Self-talk, how you how you define yourself. And so last night, Judy and I are uh, Late and you know I'm I'm up and I'm watching on my on my iPad I'm watching uh, Formula One, it's on Netflix. It's a really cool series, right? And all of a sudden, you know how uh, you ever watch it and it like loads up the next the next show, you know? So like you finish with one and then the next one starts loading up before you'd like. And so now it's like it's late, and I'm thinking. But, now, but there's that part of me, this part over here, it's going, just watch the next one. It's okay. And then this part over here is going, no, it's really late. And uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You ever that? And finally, <laughs> this is what I said to myself. I go, I said, somebody has to be the adult here. <laughs> True story. So I said, I go, somebody has to be the adult. And that's when I turned it off. And I thought, ah. Figured out tomorrow what happened in the next race of Formula One. But self-talk, that, that, that thing that we do all the time, you know, as I'm speaking, I might be speaking 160 words a minute. When you read, you can read about 200 words a minute. And, uh, but your self-talk is screaming along 400 to 500 words a minute. Just like, and then you've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 impressions every hour that come across us, Right? Things we see, things that we're reading, you know, billboards, whatever it may be. And then you've got about eight to 12,000 discrete thoughts every single day. It's like full thoughts, thinking about things. Self-talk. Now you know why you're so tired. <laughs> so you're thinking about all this stuff. But that self-talk is, is uh, where I want to go today. I want to talk about what our self-talk should probably be. And it's David in Psalm 63 when he said, my soul will rise up and praise you. I will, I will think on your unfailing love. You know, that was David's self-talk. That was him talking to himself. Psalm 63 is a point where he's really down and he talks to himself and he says, hey, I'm just going to have faith that you, God, will be God. I want us to stand up right now and, and uh, I want us to read a scripture together and then pray. It's Romans 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and we'll put that on the, on the there, there it is, fantastic. I want us to read this out loud and together, because this is, uh, this is really key to, I believe, having an overcoming positive life in a world that's highly negative, right? We live in a negative world, and it's easy to go negative. Why? Because we're negative by nature. So the process of transforming our lives is Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, changing the way we think. Look at this. This is awesome. This is Paul talking to the people in Rome, but it's for you and me today. Let's read it out loud and together. Go. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By what? Changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, 
which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do we change? The way we think. Your system of thinking is perfectly designed to achieve the results you're now getting in your life. Say it again. Your system of thinking is perfectly designed to achieve the results you're now getting right now in your life. So if you want to change tomorrow, you change the way you think today. Because where you are today is a result of yesterday's thinking. Right? And then what's God's will for your life? What is it? It's not a trick question. It's right there. It's like an open book, you know, test. Oh, wait a minute. It's not there. Wait a minute. Go. Put it back up. Put it back up. Put it back up. Here we go. What's, what's God's will for you? Good? Pleasing? Perfect. That's awesome. That is not what most of us have been taught in our religious upbringing, if we had any religious upbringing. We were taught it was something else. It was difficult. It was hard to find. And all those sort of, I'm trying to find myself. What's God's will for you? Good? Pleasing? Perfect. What does that mean? He designed you to be you. We're going to talk about that self-talk today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. As we open it today, it brings us life. It is life. I thank you that hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. So, Father, I speak life over this moment today. Speak life over this place. And thank you, Father, for this gathering of your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, hey, you look good today. You look good today. A lot of people worked really hard. Make sure they showed up looking good today. It's fantastic. I have my beautiful wife, Judy, with me. She's in the front row. Give her a hand because that helps me out. And uh, it's great to be with Pastor Lane and Becca. They're awesome. You guys are really blessed uh, with this uh, young, young couple. <laughs> to me, everybody's a young couple. Okay, anyway, but nonetheless, you guys are a young couple. But uh, would you give it up for Pastor Lane and Becca? Just give them a hand. They're awesome. They have a great vision. And Pastor Walt and Joanne Landers, uh, we just think the world of them. Uh, we just believe God's given Pastor Walt a, a really large global vision. So out of this church, you support things that we're doing around the world. So that broadcast to Pakistan, we did one to Iran before that. We're doing a, another broadcast to Iran, April 8th and 9th, I think it is. And uh, we're training pastors out of disciple men. And then we're going in, Pastor Walt and I, and, and whoever else wants to go with us, we're going to Albania, Eastern Europe, and Bulgaria uh, this summer. And so, uh, it's, and so out of this place, you're supporting ministries to go around the world. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's great to be part of something that's larger than yourself. To know that what you do here actually does something for somebody somewhere else. And that's really what love is all about. And it's great to have uh, Pastor David Bonet here. Also today, uh, the, uh, what we do with Christian Men's Network is we're a human justice uh, mission focused on defeating fatherlessness and ending child abuse, and we do that by helping men become men. Come on, somebody. To listen to this one, not this one, <laughs> right? This one's a little one, so the immature one, the childish one, going, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You only need three hours sleep, come on. As you get older, you need less sleep. That's not true, though. I found that out. And, uh, but to listen to that voice of reason, to help men become men who actually father their children, who, who show up when a man needs to show up. Amen? 
So that's what we do with Christian Men's Network. Words have great power. Why I'm talking about our self-talk today is, is this word is not just a handbook for life. It's not just a, a series of, of philosophies or rules or regulations. This entire book of the Bible, 66 books, is about Jesus. In fact, it is Jesus. And so this is where we find hope. And this is what helps change our self-talk. Words have great power, right? I mean, when Judy and I started uh, dating, it was like the first time, I, I can specifically remember the first time I asked her to go on an actual date. You know, would you like to go out? And she said, yes. And I'm like, yes. How many of you know those words had powerful moment? And then there was that next moment where I said, I love you. And she said, I love you too. And how many of you know that changed a few things? How many of you know it really began to change when I said, would you marry me? And after about five of those, <laughs> not at the same time, over a period of time, when she finally said yes, and uh, <laughs> maybe I, when I started listening to this voice, she said, okay. And uh, how many of you know when I asked her to marry me, she said yes. How many of you know that changed everything, right? Words have power. So the words you say to yourself, how you define yourself, how you define God, because all decisions come out of definition. All behavior follows belief, right? So, so what happens is what you think about, how you define yourself, how you define God, how you define your relationship with others, that then becomes the filter for all your decisions. And your destiny comes out of your decisions. So your definition has to come from somewhere that has a moral clarity to it, and that's this word. We're going we're to finish with this today. All right. I love this whole word because it's about mindset. It's about how we think. And how we think is how we end up acting. What's in your heart. Words have power. I, uh, uh, there was a, here, here's, a, here's a story to show the power of words. And it's a husband and wife haven't been having a good day. And they're driving down 360. And, and uh, the wife's telling the husband, you know, you're going a little fast. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm fine. No, no, no. You're, you're, going, a little, you're going a little fast. And uh, so I'm okay. So sure enough, you know, police pulls him over. And she's like, I told you. He goes, hey. And uh, I handle this. And so the, the officer comes up and says, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? He goes, I have no idea. He says, uh, you were going a little too fast. She said, I told him that. He goes, quiet. So uh, officer says, let me see your license. Gets the license, comes back and says, sir, you know your license is, uh, you know, it's, it, it expired six months ago. He goes, I had no idea. She goes, I've been telling him that for six months. So the officer said, uh, said, you know, you've got a broken uh, taillight in the back. You know, he goes, I had no idea. She says, it's been broken for a year. I've been telling him that the whole time. He finally says, he says, just get out of the car. You can walk home. The officer looked at. The woman looked at the man, looked back at the woman, says, ma'am, does he always talk to you like that? She says, no, sir, only when he's been drinking. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> Words have power. Amen. Jesus didn't come to write a best-selling book. He came to bring us life. Life. Uh, Proverbs 4 says this. It says, guard your heart because out of your heart comes your life. Out of your deepest thoughts comes your 
life. Guard your heart because out of there comes your life. What you think about is what you become, what you put in your heart. That's why the Bible says, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word I've hidden in my heart that I would not sin against you. How do we live righteously? How do we live a better life? We change the way we think. So speak life over yourself. Don't speak negative over you. You know that thing about, uh, I was watching uh, somebody the other day, and they were talking about themselves, and, and the host asked him, and he was a very successful uh, screenwriter, and he said, uh, did you ever think you'd be like this when you were younger? And he said, never. He said, because when I was younger, every time I had a good idea, he said that voice came up and said, yeah, it won't work. It'll never work. It'll never happen. You'll never do it. You'll never become that. And he said it was years before I could change the voice to, yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, go for it for a second. I mean, at least move that direction. He said it took years to reach that point. Stephen Pressfield calls it, uh, he said it's, it's that, that obstacle that always tries to stop you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have that same thing come up? See, I believe that the enemy speaks to us over and over and over. We're going to talk about David and Goliath today. And, and David and Goliath, and most of us know that story about the giant Goliath and David going up against him. And, and uh, I don't want to give away the end of the story. But David wins, kills Goliath. And um, the fact is, at that point, something had happened in David's life that I believe is transformative for you and me. And that whole self-talk, David had had to change that because he dealt with something over and over and over. We, we have ministry in 134 countries, and we were in Peru a number of years ago. We have an officer, our dear friends, Robert and Karen. And uh, they told me this story a number of years ago, and I thought, man, it's so indicative of how you and I live as men and women. And it's a farmer that's up in the Andes, and, and if you, as you go in from Lima and go up in Peru, you find the source of uh, the Amazon River and up there in the Andes, and, and it gets really high. And a farmer was up in the mountains, and the weather changed quickly. I don't know how they got weather out of Kansas in the Andes, but you know how the weather changes when the air, wind starts coming out of the north? And uh, all of a sudden, the weather changed. And he's up there, and, and he's not ready for it. And it starts getting really freezing. He starts heading down. And all of a sudden, psst, psst, here's, looks over, and there's a snake there. Snake says, hey, get me out of here. He said, this weather is going to kill me. The man goes, looks at him and says, no, you're a poisonous snake. The snake looks at him and says, no, no, if I stay here, I'm going to die. The farmer looks at him and says, no, there's no way. You know, you'll kill me. And the snake says, listen, nothing will happen. The man says, no, I'm not going to do it. The snake says, listen, I promise nothing will happen it's all going to be good. Just get me down. So finally the farmer relents, picks him up, puts him in his jacket, takes him down to the bottom of the hill, starts to put the snake down. And at that point, bam, snake bites him on the hand. The man looks at his hand, looks at the snake, looks at his hand, realizes he's about to die. Looks at the snake, says, you told me nothing would happen. Snake looked at him and said, you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. How many of us have picked up a snake knowing Okay, don't raise your hands. But we could all raise our hands. How many of us have listened to lies and done it anyway, right? We, we know the snake. See, the snake always lies. Everybody say it with me. The snake 
always lies. The enemy is always going to lie to you. The enemy is always going to tell you, you can't make it, you can't do it, it'll never work, it'll never last, you're not good enough, you don't measure up, and over and over and over. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to become what God designed you to be. God designed you to be an overcomer, and God designed you to fulfill a mission and a destiny that only you were placed on the earth to do. Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite favorite scriptures, I I didn't give it to him. But Ephesians 2.10 says, before you were ever born, I designed you for good works. In other words, God placed you on the earth on purpose. I don't care how you got here, but you are here now today by the purposes of God. And it's not just to do a project. It's to become a lover of God and to fulfill the mission he put inside, deep inside your heart. Just turn to somebody and say, right now, just turn to somebody and say, this is really good for you. This is really good for you. I have a friend, see, David and Goliath, the story um, of David and Goliath is, this guy Goliath came out for 40 days and nights. And and let's show that photo of the Valley of of Elah, because this is really fascinating to me. This this Valley of Elah is, uh, the Philistines are on one side, and then Israel is on the other side. Okay? Do we have the photo? We don't have, okay, there goes Pastor Lane. He goes, yeah, I got the photo here. It's all good. It's all good. So uh, we'll see it in a minute. But there's, there's a small mountain over here. Small, well, in Texas, we would call them mountains. There's a, there's a small uh, Duncanville over here and then one over here. And, and then a little valley in between. And the army of Israel, okay, so there it is. So the army of Philistines is on one side and the, and the army of Saul and the Israel is on the other side, valley in between. All right? And it's sort of a stalemate. In fact, what Saul has done is that Saul is afraid the Philistines are going to beat him. He's not sure what to do because he's really not following God. He's not following the purpose of his life. He's not doing what God had told him to do. So he's living rather than in faith, he's living in fear. So what he's done is he's taken all of his soldiers, all of his warriors, and told them, stay in your tents. Because fear always quarantines. Come on, somebody. I like that one. Fear always quarantines, right? When you operate out of fear, that's what you do. And so he quarantined his army. Philistines are over here. And so this guy, Goliath, who's like this huge 10-foot-tall, massive guy, comes out. And every day for 40 days, every morning and every night, he comes out and yells. And the Bible says he curses Israel. It says every morning, every night, he curses Israel 40 days and 40 nights. And 40 is uh, a number that signifies the testing of man throughout the Bible. So whenever you see 40, 40, days in, 40 years in the wilderness and so on and on and on, it all has to do with the testing of mankind by God. So, so here's Goliath. Now the thing is, we, we read it and we go 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath came out and cursed Israel. So first thing we think of, well, they must have hired a guy because he's a mercenary, by the way. He's, he's the Anakim. He's from a place called Gath. And uh, he comes out every morning, every night. Funny thing. Okay, a little sidebar. When they dug up Gath recently, this, you can go look at it, not right now, but you look on Google later. And when they dug up Gath, it had its own, like, culture. But most cultures are defined by art, music, you know, philosophy, those kinds of things. The only thing they found in Gath was beer mugs and beer stills. 
The entire culture is defined by that. So I'm thinking that he's coming out with like a five-gallon beer mug every morning, every night, and everybody's like, don't mess with Goliath. He's a bad drunk, right? Like, and so uh, he's coming out and he's yelling curses. And when I read that, perhaps most of my life, I would always read it as he came out and swore at them. Like they hired a guy that could really F-bomb the other <laughs> army, like, right? It's like Philistines, hey, we need a guy who really knows how to swear. It's got to be big, big voice, yell. But that's not what it was. The curses of Goliath towards Saul and his army to put fear on them and remove faith out of their hearts was to tell them, your God's not big enough. It'll never work. You're not good enough. You guys are past your prime. This will never happen. You think you're going to take all this property. It's not going to happen. Your ideas and those curses come to you and to me every single day. You don't measure up. You'll never write that book. You'll never make that movie. You'll never get that job. You'll never finish school. Your marriage won't last. This thing won't happen. That won't happen. Negativity and the enemy consistently tries to steal. The, the Bible says, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? To steal what? To steal your faith. To steal your hope. To take out of you any kind of positive nature that the Bible and the Word has put in you. He's trying to steal your destiny by stealing your thoughts of goodness and positivity and life and faith and strength. Negative thinking is full of fear. It's like a, the Bible says that he's like a roaring lion. And you see, have you ever seen those, those pictures of lions in Africa? It's like that when they, you ever been around one, like at the Forest Zoo or something, when they roar? It's just unbelievably loud. Now, roar has a subsonic sound in it that takes small animals and just freezes them in fear. And so as the, as the lion is hunting, mostly at night he's hunting, roars, senses the fear because he can smell the fear coming off the animal. The animal's frozen. He just goes, bam, takes him. And that's what the enemy is trying to do to us. It's that, it's that roaring lion trying to freeze us in fear. But here's the deal. Goliath is yelling these curses. David shows up. And David, that psalm, I'll rise up, I'll praise you. Your loving kindness is in me. There's two things that build strength in our lives. Intimacy, intimacy with God and adversity on the earth. Horizontal and vertical. That intimacy with God strengthens us. That adversity, those obstacles we've overcome, build our faith, right? They begin to remove doubt from us because we go, man, I nailed that. Yeah, we did that. Well, we overcame that. Yeah, I got a better job. Man, it was a tough three months, but we persevered and got through it. Resilience, stalwartness, grit. And so David, as a young man, had gone through intimacy and adversity. Intimacy is the Psalms we read. I mean, this, David is like this amazing guy. He's the, he's, he becomes the king. He's been, already been anointed king. So he knows his identity and who he is. He's defined himself. This is who I am. And he begins to speak that over his life. So as he prays to God, he says, I know that I've got greatness in my future. He's out there taking care of sheep. And now he shows up, and Goliath is there, and he says to his brothers who are in the army, he says, why, why hasn't somebody just killed this guy? Why didn't you just kill the curses? 
He says, I'll do it. And he goes in front of Saul, the king, and Saul says, because, and the only way he gets in front of Saul is Saul already knew who he was. David's about 17 years of age. When he's about 14 and 15, he's a great on an instrument like our music team. And, and he begins to play this instrument for the king because Saul can't sleep because he's so full of fear. He's just racked by fear and thoughts and negativity. He can't sleep. So David comes in and plays music for him. So Saul knows who David is. So David comes as a 17-year-old guy and says, hey, I'll kill the guy. Saul says, no, nah, you can't do it. You're too young, man. You haven't been at war. David says, no, no, I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. I've stood up against the enemy. I've defeated him. Now, and, uh, my keyboard, like, friend, come in, give me a little shimmer background thing. And because uh, I want to finish with this. The Word of God says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. David knew who he was. That he was not there in his own strength. He was there in the strength of God. That the power of the Holy Spirit was working through him. The Holy Spirit didn't just show up in Acts 2. Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there all the time. At creation, hovering, right? Holy Spirit speaking through David. David's like, I can take this guy. I can defeat him. I can win this battle. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, one of our big issues in our mindset and transforming our lives is we're trying to get some where new using old thinking. We're trying to level up our lives using an old mindset. And what God wants to do and what Christ came to do is renew our minds, the way we think, the way we think about ourselves, our, our self-talk. David Shows up in front of Saul. He says, hey, I can, I can do this. And Saul says, okay, put my armor on. Now, this is where that urban myth came up that David was a little guy. Because there's all these songs about David was a little boy. and He was a 17-year-old guy. Now, think about, think about March Madness, right? Think about some of the players you're seeing on the court who are 18, 19, 20 years old, 6, 7, 248 pounds, 18 years old. All right? Now think about David, 17 years old. I don't know how tall he is. What I do know is that Saul, who already knew him, said, put my armor on you. It's 1 Samuel 17. He says, put my armor on you. And David says to him, he puts it on. Remember this whole story? Puts it on and says, it doesn't fit. In other translation, he says, I haven't tested this. In other translation, says, I can't move with all this stuff on me. And let me give you a picture. Let me give you an image right here. Saul says, David, put my armor on you. Now, if you're the king, what's the armor have on it? All the insignias of the king. It's got his insignia. It's got his crest. It's got all the epaulets. It's got all the things on it that says, this guy's somebody. Now, Saul, a man who's lived in fear, isn't following God. What do you think... The, that those things represent to David. They represent defeat. They represent negativity. 
They represent fear. They represent doubt. They represent uh, disappointment, desperation. And Saul says, put my definition on you. And David says, your definition doesn't fit me. And it says he throws it off. Why? Because he's got to walk in his definition of who God says he was. And God had told David, you're going to be the king. You're a warrior, an overcomer. And David over and over faces rejection and issues and people who tell him, you'll never make it. You're too young. And David wasn't small. Saul thought his armor would fit him because he's probably a pretty good-sized man. And that's, in fact, what it says in the old rabbinical writings. It says David was a leader not only by the way he spoke and acted, but by the way he looked. So he says, hey, put my armor on you. A couple of scriptures, and then we're gonna. I want, I want us to stand and read something. It says this in the Word. It says, God is the God of the new. Philippians 4 says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you received from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be. With you, what Paul is saying here is listen, there's one thing I do is I focus on who God says I am. Everybody stand up with me. We're going to read a series of scriptures in a moment. Because the lies of the enemy, the snake always what? The snake always lies. And the enemy has told us you'll never measure up, you'll never make it, you'll never be able to do this, do that. Whatever the lie is, the enemy's tried to tell you to stop you from going after your destiny. Just want to break off of us today here in this place. Take off the negative armor of Saul. Take off defeat. Take off negativity. Take off I'll never measure up. Take off father wounds. Take off the things that stop us and hurt us and cause us to believe about ourselves less than who God says we are. Now here I want to fill our self-talk with something. Let's go through this. We're going to read these scriptures out loud and together. Let's put them up. And then the band's going to play. I want to re- Don't read the reference, just the scripture part. Okay? You ready? We're going to read these out loud and together. And, and as we read these, you're reading this over yourself. This is not, hey, this, is, this would be good for Pastor Lane. This would be good for Jamal. This would be good for this guy or that guy. It's, it's for us. God put this in this word that we would live in this. Ready? Go. I am alive with Christ. I am free from the law of sin and death. I have the mind of Christ. I have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The spirit of God that lives in me is greater than the enemy in the world. Come on, somebody. I have received the power of the Holy Spirit, and he can do miraculous things through me. I have authority and power over the enemy in this world. God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In all circumstances, I live by faith in God and extinguish all the flaming darts, attacks of the enemy. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. I am chosen by God who called me out of the darkness of sin and into the light and life of Christ. So I can proclaim the excellence and greatness of who he is. I am God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works that he has prepared for me to do. 
I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I have everything I need to live a godly life and am equipped to live in his divine nature. Whew. I am chosen by God, forgiven and justified through Christ. I have a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I am not a victim of fear because the Holy Spirit lives in me and gives me his power, love, and wisdom. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Come on, somebody. That's who you are. Let's pray and then let's sing. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you. Your, your word says your mercies are new every morning. I thank you. You spoke from heaven in Revelation 21 and said, Behold, I am the God of the new. Everything I do is new. So, Father, I pray right now. Come on, pray over yourself. Father, I pray right now. We pray over ourselves. We pray over our minds, our speech, our self-talk. Father, let us be lifted up by your word. Let us be transformed in our thinking. thinking. Let us be renewed in our minds that we would live out in our destiny who you said we are. And that we would defeat the Goliaths who are trying to tell us we can't do it. We're trying to speak negativity. Come on, thank the Lord right now for his word. Come on, just speak it out loud. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your life. I thank you for strength. I thank you for joy. I thank you for your power. In Jesus' name, come on.